time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, April 24th, 2017. Again, we share that because so many of you listen to this on a downloaded basis. It's an honor to have you joining us. Again, this podcast was created by Mortgage Professionals. It's for Mortgage Professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Innovation Award from Progress and Lending. And also, you have done the most to validate what we're doing, as so many of you are listening to this podcast across the nation. Yeah, and I always love telling the recent story. I was talking to Mark Jones, and we posted his series up there. And he says, Dave, I post, I do a lot of posting. I'm trying to get more visibility out there on, by the way, he's with Amerifirst, does a great job, wonderful company, top, top company. He said, Dave, I got something like 30,000 hits after you posted that. So yeah, it's a testimony. You've got our audience out there. So we appreciate you, audience. Appreciate you joining us. And today's hot topic is Gary Ort. And we're talking about leadership. And Gary has been someone that I have admired for years for both leadership and not only just leadership, but how he leads. It's from such a humble position. He is just one of the most humble guys. And in an industry where we seem to have a fair amount of egos, Andy and I talk about that regularly. The prophet doctor and I talk about that regularly. It seems like it's just refreshing when you find someone who is just genuine about their leadership and how they go about it and the inspiration and, and the impact they have in people's lives. So Gary Ort, who is president of the Mortgage Finance Division of Texas Capital Bank, will be joining us in the Hot Topics segment. You will not want to miss this interview, especially for those of you that are interested in growing in your leadership. All right, so let's say a quick thank you out to our sponsors, ArchMI, the creator of the new Star Innovative Program. Very powerful. The merger is complete. We're going to hear more about that and what they're doing. Then also, we're going to talk with Motivity Solutions, get one of the latest KPIs of the week. They have a real-time reporting and dashboard scorecard a technology tool that's very effective, as well as Velma, an, an efficient mortgage marketing email platform, more than just mortgages. If you're in any business, you can use this. It's specifically designed for the mortgage industry and is very effective helping companies get their message out. And then Simplify, a real-time electronic communications Change, well as they're doing a lot in the e-note, the e-disclosure, e-everything. So we'll be listening to what Nancy Alley has. In fact, we've got her upcoming up as a guest the following week. Looking forward to that interview. Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network. If you're looking a way to effectively communicate and connect with people, the power of the network, the Mortgage Collaborative, is a very great place for you to do it. Of course, DNH, moving your world forward through technology. And there's a big announcement that came out about the merger with them and MySyst, out of uh, which is the largest technology provider in Europe. And so the two companies are coming together as acquired by Vista, I believe is how it is, if I get that right. I have to double check that. And the power of these two coming together are going to be just really something to reckon with. They're a force in the marketplace and have a clear vision for what they want to do. And so I'm really excited about DNH's future. For those of you that are existing customers, hang in there. It's going to be a very exciting future. And then if you look for those of you considering for a new solution, <laughs> you definitely want to pay attention to what's happening at DNH. If you want to check it out, see all the announcements. Go to dh.com or call them at 1-800-815-5592. I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Joe, 
and Sam for their contributions to the program. Upcoming conferences, Halfly will be on Sunday to the Secondary Marketing Conference that's going to be taking place April 30th through May 3rd in New York. Now, this conference is going to be one that's going to be very interesting because there's a lot going on as it relates to the secondary markets. And we're going to be hearing a lot of important presentations about that. So I encourage you to be there. Look me up. I'd love to connect with you. I love seeing all of them and talking to as many of our listeners as I can at these conferences. Also, we have the Great River Four-State MBA State Conference in Memphis. Again, this is a conference you will that is very effective, especially if you're a vendor wanting to go and get all states together. You want to come to this conference. It's four states in the surrounding area around Memphis coming together, and it's at the Peabody Hotel. Check it out. If you Google Great River Four States MBA Convention, it'll come right up for you. Then also the Ohio Mortgage Bankers Conference. I'll be speaking at that as well, May 19th. The Great Rivers is May 9th. The Ohio is May 19th. So Lots of conferences. We'll have all of that up and running on our new website here soon. So good to have each and every one of you. And Joe Farr, normally we'd be going to him. But first of all, we're going to run out to Les Parker. Les Parker of Lone Logic has been giving us a macro view of the industry and some of the things going on. Of course, he has a music parody that he always puts into it. So let's go over to Les Parker of Lone Logic to get a little bit more of a macro view. And then we're going to get into the market update that Joe sent me. So here you go, Les. Thanks, Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Loan Logics. Janet, now that I've found you, I won't let you go. This song parody deals with the possibility of Donald Trump reappointing Janet Yellen to the Federal Reserve Board when her term expires February 2018. Back in May 2016, Trump said he most likely would replace the Federal Reserve Chairwoman. Now he's tweeting that she is not toast. The Fed leader, the reluctant hawk, is a dollar basher without the tweets. So will Trump opt for a dove? I do like a low rate policy. I must be honest, Trump tweeted. So Yellen could be reappointed. This is not the time for a dovish Fed. We need to restore economic vitality across the globe. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogic.com and subscribe to my daily newsletter. I get a chuckle out of that one. They're doing a good job of getting these ads out. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, especially with Janet Yellen and her monetary policy, which is seen to be not in line with what we are going to have moving forward, especially for the Trump administration. But as Les points out, looks like that too will be changing. So look forward to getting some more updates on that. Now, normally we'd have Joe Farr. I'd be going over to him, but Joe's out having some fun, enjoying this beautiful Texas weather we're having in central Texas. So let me do my best to give you an update from Joe's notes. Okay, so we got the French election, and the results will likely have an impact on MBS prices. And we're seeing some of that right now. Now, we saw the MBS, the Fannie Mae 30-year down 6.30 seconds, almost 7.30 seconds early this morning. It's back up to neutral right now. So the negative impact is not quite what we thought it might be, for some, what some thought it should, might be. There's nothing on the calendar today as far as economic data, but we do have tomorrow the consumer confidence number, new home sales numbers, as well as the two-year treasury auction. Now, we always pay attention to the two-year treasury auction to see how money is flowing in or out of the bond market to kind of gauge where the impact of that could have on bonds. So we'll be paying close attention to the year two-year treasury. You also have a five-year treasury on Wednesday, then a seven-year treasury on Thursday. 
So looking at that, we also have coming up here the next week, I believe it is the 30-year bond auction. Now, when you look at what's going on here, MBSs are really in a, it's being driven by as much you know, global events as well as Trump's tweets or what's happening. So we'll see what happens when it comes to tax reform planned out this week. We'll see if there's anything that comes of it, any inklings this week. But we are also keeping our eye on the stock market which has helped raise MBS prices here earlier in the week. This reversed later last week. And so, and I am talking about last week, so we're looking at what happened last week. So there was some impact with the stock, and we're going to be paying close attention to it again. A lot of which is happening is the economic data has had little to do with the price movement. The data was mixed, and home builders index fell little from what we anticipated, but we're going to be paying close attention to the report that comes out on the new home sales. I think that'll have a big impact on how home builders feel, but it, at least it didn't fall very much. And that was anticipated to possibly fall further given that rising interest rate. Now, existing home sales were good. We're seeing it at the best level since 2007. That's good news for the housing market. Shows us the draw, strong demand. And I had a conversation with the folks over at LE May and looking at their millennial index this last week. And they're seeing a continued research, or not resurgence, but a surge of millennials into the market, really being the single biggest driver of the housing existing home sale market. This week, we have coming out again, the tax plan, if announced, that could have a market mover. We have ECB meeting on Thursday, that could also be a market mover. Then the new economic data, which I already talked about, is the new home sales, the consumer confidence number and then durable goods and pending home sales on 30. The first quarter GDP will also be coming out as well. So a lot of good information on the MBS quote line website. I encourage you to check it out and look at it. I always like it when Joe gives these updates. He does a great job on these, and we miss having him on the program. So, Joe, I hope you're having a great day off. Anyway, check out the MBS quote line website. You can do so by going mbsquoteline.com and get signed up. Pay attention to this ad. We'll be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday again, the 24th. We say that at the beginning of each topic because many of you are dialing and listening to the program on a downloaded basis. And we appreciate you being here. So Alice Alvey is here. Missed you last week, Alice. It's good to have you back this week. Well, thanks, Dave. Yes. You know, sometimes, well, you all know what it's like, right? It's one meeting after the next some days. <laughs> so back today with a long list of things to get you updated on. So first and foremost, you know, today we have out there two a proposed rule, or I should say an advance notice of proposed rulemaking from VA. They're actually putting out in the market, asking questions about whether or not they should change their 
long-standing philosophy of capping the fees that the veteran can pay. So for those of you who are not familiar with VA loans, VA is very specific what the veteran can and cannot pay. Well, what ends up happening with the cannot bucket is that sellers end up having to pay. So there are some circumstances and transactions certainly where then that can cause some problems in the negotiations, right? If the veteran says, hey, I want to pay those, I'm willing to pay those, you know, but now I, I, they can't be on my side of the CD, for example. So it does cause some problems in the market. What I personally am not aware of is whether or not that's prevalent, right? So there's two sides to this argument. One is that you know, VA has it as a benefit, essentially, for the veterans, right, that it will kind of oversee and protect them against having to pay too high a fees in the market. And I think it does that, but what they're trying to identify is, well, have they, is it too restrictive? And should they consider different language in light of, you know, the more restrictive disclosures and information that veterans now can get with the new rules under the Dodd-Frank, you know, with CDs? now getting out three days in advance and those rules. So should they really, you know, be more lenient? And I don't know. It's hard to change VA. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But for those of you who have thoughts about that, there are definitely comments being posted now. You can go to regulations.gov and post your comments. VA asks 11 questions. You can respond to any and all of them. A few folks have already commented about, hey, and by the way, can they increase the cap for the appraisal fee because they capped that at about 450 You know, so you, know, you can go off topic if you want, but I'm not sure they're going to address that. I don't think this is here to address the appraisal fee issue. So go out and comment. VA, I think, is looking at it. There might be some fee-based issues that we could look at to lighten this up so that it can be more competitive for veterans. But I would say let's see what's best for the market, right? Let the market drive this. The other thing, too, is FHA has a proposed rule out for one of their oldest forms, the 92051, <laughs> the Compliance Inspection Report form, has been around since 1987. Some of you probably weren't even born then. <laughs> so the form is so old and FHA is going, do we still really need it? So comments are due back on. Uh, is that a relevant form or not? And I would say, you know, I think it's time to come up with another solution for that form. So Matt Todd has a request for comments, and those are due by June 20th. VA's comments for their fee-based issue are due by June 12th. We have lots of pieces of legislation that we're watching. There are definitely, you know, Congress kind of got back into the swing of things, and we'll watch things a little more closely here in the coming weeks. We are looking to see H.R. 1964 to, to preserve comp competition among lenders to provide relief from unnecessarily regulatory requirements for community banks. And this is, was referred to committee, so this is H.R. 1964. So that got a little action on April 5th. We're also watching the usual suspects for giving FHA some more leeway in the MIP premiums, but those haven't moved anywhere yet as, as of now. And then last but not least, where did my note go? Oh, yeah. So for those of you into cybersecurity, New York has, we talked about it on a show a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, where they have very strict cybersecurity regulations. And those did go into effect. Chandler was reporting on these and talking about them in their blog. You do want to make sure you fully understand this and take a look at it because Usually when something starts to happen at the state level, it can very quickly escalate to a national level. Those of you that this is in New York are probably aware of this, but really anybody responsible for cybersecurity should see how in-depth this New York policy is. 
because uh, we think it'll it'll be spreading. In any case, those are my updates for today, right now, Dave, and looking forward to our conversations leadership for the next part of the program. Yeah, I am too. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate it. Good job. You do a great job covering it. I'm really interested in what's going on in New York. I presented to the New York State MBA conference. I spoke for three hours there, and uh, there's some very interesting things happening in the state, and as especially relates to social media, there's a number of regulations coming in. What that's very restrictive. At least it seems so, but it could have an interesting impact. So thank you for giving us updates and all that you do to stay on top of what is happening. To learn more about Alice and her excellent company, Indicom Mortgage U, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. Yeah, looking forward to having Nancy as a guest next week to talk all about all that's going on in the world there at Simplified, but also her perspective, very instrumental in what she is doing in the industry. Let's get over to Sam Garcia to find out also what are some of the headlines in the marketplace. Good to have you on the phone and joining in on the program again, Sam. Hey, Dave. Good to be here. Hope you're doing well this week. And, uh, we got lots of news, so I'll just get right into it here. Yeah. Um, first off, our mortgage market index, an indication of upcoming originations, was up 4% last week. The index, which we derive from open close rate lock volume, has fallen those 13% from a year ago. But last week's week-over-week increase was driven by rate locks for purchase financing, jumped 6% from the prior week. So it's always good to see purchase activity take off in any way we can. But it wasn't the same for the Mortgage Bankers Association because they came out with their economic outlook for April and they raised their refinance forecast to $501 billion for this year from $496 billion that they predicted last month. But that increase came at the expense of purchase money. They lowered their purchase outlook to $1.081 trillion from a month earlier when they had it coming in at $1.104 trillion. So little less optimistic. I even kind of just get the impression that maybe it was just some minor adjustments to their numbers to make them all fit because it wasn't a lot. But we'll see where that goes next month. Over at Ellie Mae, they reported that turnaround on loan closings fell to 43 days in March from 46 days. So a three-day improvement on how fast loans are closing. Of course, as we're starting, to, we've started to see some decline in uh, origination. But same report had the closing rate falling to 67.9% from 70.6% a month earlier. And in addition, average credit scores rose and debt-to-income ratios declined. 
which is an indication that credit conditions were a little tighter last month, which I was kind of surprised to see given uh, we've had a little bit slacking off on some production. Black Knight reported that 30-day mortgage delinquency was 3.62% in March. That was the lowest delinquency rate since March 2006, so over a decade as far as 30-day mortgage delinquency being at its low. The big news last week was Aquin. The CFPB announced that it filed a lawsuit against Aquin over its servicing practices, and also suing Aquin was the Florida Attorney General. And in addition, 21 states have issued regulatory actions against Aquin, and Aquin has issued statements indicating or disputing the claims made by the states and the CFPB. So we'll see where that goes, but that's not good news, obviously. A lot to clean up there. Next, we got notice that Citigroup announced that David Chubach was named head of global retail banking and mortgage, and he replaces Jonathan Larson. Over at Ginnie Mae put out some operational data that indicates their MBS issuance was $32.9 billion in March. That was the third month in a row that business fell or issuance fell, and it was the lowest month in issuance uh, since February 2016. Moving on, Mayak announced an offering of $2.3 million in agency kickbacks for sale. That offering is priced in the 90s. And it was a second such offering that Mayak announced last week. So agency kickbacks for anybody who's interested. Mayak also announced that there was an offering of mortgage servicing rights on $2.1 billion in Ginnie Mae loans. The weighted average service fee on that is 31.7 basis points. And then one other uh, deal I wanted to mention was InCenter announced an MSR offering on $900 million and mostly all a MSR. So 40% of the loans are backed by California properties. And Incenter additionally announced an agency offering last week on agency MSRs. So those are some of the biggest headlines. And again, some big news last week, especially with that Aquanet. Yeah. But we'll see what we got Boy, going. Boy, I tell you that. Yeah, I mean, you, you look and Florida jumping in on that. It, that is really interesting to me. That one, I, I'm somewhat surprised. What a lot of people don't know, for our listeners, we did some studying in that. I went in, looked at Aqua, and we looked at you know, where some of the complaints were. I was asked to on behalf of one of the networks, TV networks, because of some things they had heard. And what I learned out of that is a lot of people thought that the problems and the woes that are related to Aqua were due to the offshoring issues within the servicing. What we did when we dug into it, and we literally got involved in a few consumers' uh, complaints, and we found out it's interesting, Sam, that it was the the onshore servicing practices that were woefully lacking, and the communication was was really lacking. It was the offshore that was doing a much better job than what they were doing onshore. So I don't know if that's other companies, but yeah, for those companies that think that well, that's because they offshore so much, do not make that assumption. It, it would be uh, it's in the case of Aquin, that wasn't the case at least on the ones that we looked at. So it's really interesting. I don't think Aquin's woes are going to be going away anytime soon. That's just, a, that's an ugly, that's like ugly headline, Sam. That then is you an have... interesting point, though, that you bring up about that, the onshore, which, of course, you know, that is mostly here in the Dallas area is where they have that their facility for yeah. the main servicing. Spent some time talking to the chief compliance officer at the servicing conference, Rapevine, I think it was last month, and it really sounded like things had been cleaned up. But gosh, this just sheds a whole different well, uh, I mean... light on that. Well, sometimes some of these things linger and have a long, long tail on them. So, I mean, it may be issues related before they they have cleaned it up. I know they made an effort to clean it up. And by no means was what I looked at, the issues that I looked at, conclusive across the board. All I know is the issue we were looking at, it was just over and over again. I saw 
how the offshore folks were doing a much better job than the folks here at home, so onshore. So it's just an interesting. Of course, that's a good testimony for Alice and the Indicom folks because they're offshore. Offshore companies doing a good job in the industry. So for what it's worth, good to, good headlines. Thanks, Sam. Really appreciate you bringing us an update. Always fun to have you here. And for those of you that are not familiar with the uh, website. Go check out MortgageDaily.com. Excellent information. So good to have you all with us. We're going to be right back after a few quick breaks and look forward to seeing you. We're going to be actually getting the Profit Doctor on. How about that? I always love having the Profit Doctor. We'll be right back after a couple brief breaks. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440 440- Zero five five two zero six nine one. The power of the network. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. So good to have you with us, everybody. We've got the Profit Doctor. It's always fun to have the Profit Doctor in the house, and he's here to share some wisdom on what's going on. So we've kind of recovered from our taxes, and it is what it is, and we're moving on. So what are you really recommending lenders to focus on other than your upcoming webinar, which, again, is going very well is what I hear some reports from within the MBA. Another successfully well-attended. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, well, okay, on the webinar, so it's coming up. We have another one this Thursday to talk about loan level profitability. you got to know how much you make on every originator or on every branch, every office, every product. You got to know this stuff to run your business because remember that's the treasure map. Accounting is the language of business. It's the treasure map to success, the treasure map to profitability. You got to have good reports and the balance sheet or income statement alone is not good enough. But then the next week we get into hedging. And so that's really cool. We're going to talk about how hedging works, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the benefits of why it's the right thing to do. And so, you know, Dave, if you have your $20 million a month mortgage company, you're running $200, $300 million a year in, in production volume. And I walk into your office and I say, Dave, I'll tell you what, I'll write you a check for $600,000 and you don't have to do much of anything different except I'll give you better pricing. You're going to think, okay, is this is this Christmas and you're the... You're Santa Claus or is this, you know, what, what's the deal with it? It's too good to be true. And the funny thing is it's actually not too good to be true. It's actually called hedging. And there's it, people think it's scary, but actually you're in a safer position than you are in best efforts. And if you're doing, you know, around $20 million a month, that's about $600,000 a year in more profit. And then you get better pricing. And it's just why would you not do this? Now, there's a couple of steps. You got to get a broker dealer relationship. You got to deal with the aggregator's mandatory desk, which requires separate approvals. Both of those two require separate approvals. You need strong capital. And our good friends over at Optima Blue Secondary Services can help you figure it out. 
So I would suggest Google, Optimal Blue Secondary Services, go to them and say, is it time for me to start hedging because I want Santa Claus to come to my desk and write me a check for $600,000. <laughs> Uh, not so, quite that simple, but the concept is there. Yes. I yeah, agree. you know, it's actually, it's actually a little harder than that. And the accounting gets way, way hard. So you needed to go yeah. to the webinar in two weeks because they were going to talk about the accounting for hedging transactions, which, uh, you know, kind of causes people's eyes to roll back in their head because, you know, it's just kind of mind-numbing. But we cover it so you can have it as a reference tool. Hey, Dave, one last point. I know we're about to get yes. to talk to our special guest, Gary Ort. I just got an email today from McKinsey. I subscribe to all their publications. And they've got a, an email out today, and McKinsey and Company does, Distortions and Deceptions in Strategic Decisions. It's a cool title, but basically what it does is it talks about leadership decisions, how to know if the decisions you're making are on the right track, how to, how to sort your own psyche, how to evaluate what you're thinking to make certain that you're leading effectively, you're listening to your team, you're listening to them correctly, you're actually hearing what they're saying, not hearing what you think they're saying, which is a surprisingly widespread issue, honestly. But can't wait to hear Gary's comments. But this email came in. It's from McKinsey. It's a great article. I suggest people take a quick look. It is so true. When you look at leadership, it's a complex area like hedging. It's not that difficult, but when done well, has some really powerful benefits. When done poorly, ah, it can be really bad, really, really bad. So that's you know, good. If you're Look using a good hedge advisor, these days, if you're yeah. using a good hedge advisor, the chance of doing it poorly are really mitigated. I mean, very substantial. You use one of the top three hedge advisors like Optimal Secondary Services, CMC, Compass Analytics. You use one of those guys. You're going you're yeah. to be set. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, I think it's something for those that stay away from it out of fear. They're being foolish. They need to attend your accounting class. You go, well, I'm not interested in accounting. I'm not an accountant type. Well, then pick up the phone and call Andy. It's the best way to do it. Or email him, even better, Andy at mbs-team.com. Wealth of information, especially on this topic. So good to have you with us, Andy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. You bet. Folks, we're going to be right back after we talk with our friends over at ArchMI, which they are ahead of the herd. So let's hear about it. Thanks, David. Glad to be a sponsor. Spring home buying's underway. The supply is tight and interest rates are rising. Are lenders ready to compete for purchase business, or will they get left behind? Archimai RateStar is the best way to stay aggressive and stay ahead of the herd. Use our risk-based pricing program to assess individual loan risk more precisely. With RateStar, lenders lead their market the way Archimai leads the MI industry. Lead with us. I love that. Lead with us. It's a great ad. And as you pointed out, Andy, last week, their uh, ad campaign with the milk and cookies, that goes so well together. So anyway, it's really good to have you all with us. Again, we bring on leaders in the industry to this program to share their knowledge, to share the information that they have gained over the years. And I have, I'm just always attracted to good leaders as a person who has suffered under companies that have had horrible leadership. Uh, none recently, but it was back in my earlier days. I really have a huge appreciation for solid leadership. So I made it a quest some time ago to go seek out the leaders 
We're about ready to launch a new series of programs called Lick It On Leadership. We have Lick It On Lending, now Lick It On Leadership. Again, it's only the only reason I put my name on it is so we can have make sure that it has the highest quality. When my name's on it, I want to make sure that the program is of the highest quality. And so today we have invited Gary Orp. Gary joined Texas Capital Bank back in 2008. Today he serves as the president and has been serving as the president of mortgage finance there at Texas Capital Bank. His leadership has been one of the main driving factors behind Texas Capital Bank's success in the mortgage industry. Prior to joining Texas Capital Bank, Gary was the national sales manager for Stewart Lending Services in Houston, Texas. His experiences also includes national management positions with First Horizon Correspondence Services, as, a, as well as a number of other large mortgage banking firms. Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Glad I could, David. My pleasure. By the way, before we go too far, I wanted to thank you for the introduction at the beginning of the show. And if you'll send me your address, I'll know where to send the payment for that. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is I do look for leaders. And one of the <laughs> things that I like most about your leadership style is you're so – I mean – you don't see yourself as a leader sometimes. And I think the greatest leaders don't always see themselves as that. And I think those, the greatest leaders oftentimes don't realize the impact. And so part of the reason I want to invite you on is to honor you because of what leadership you brought to the bank and all of the customers of the bank. I believe, if you're not mistaken, Texas Capital Bank is the largest warehouse lender to independent mortgage bankers in the nation. Am I not? Am I not mistaken? I believe that's correct. It's very difficult to ascertain what that is, but if we're not, we're certainly in the top two or three. For those of our listeners, Gary, that may not, hard to imagine that they don't know of you, so let's talk a little bit out and get our listeners familiar with who you are. How long have you been in the mortgage industry? Ooh, that, that's, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's coming up on 47 <laughs> years, because see, that really... 47. 47 years. <laughs> I know, which means it's, I'm at 43, Andy's at, I think, 40-something, Alice is right up there with us, so that, I mean, that means like Alice said in her segment, that there's a good chance we've been in the industry longer than many of our listeners have been alive, but <laughs> so... <laughs> It's, it may be true, but you, you certainly have done an outstanding job. But tell us how you got started in the mortgage industry. To We want to draw more people into it. What was it that drew you into the mortgage industry? Well, actually, it was I got into this industry more by an accident. It was at a job at the point in time when I started in it. I was actually working for Avco Financial Services. And again, a lot of the folks on the phone may or on this program may not realize or know who Avco Financial was. But back in the day, there were finance companies such as Beneficial Finance and Household Finance and Avco Finance. And I started working for them clear back in 1971. And I was doing second mortgages for them at, at rates that would just be an embarrassment today. And I was the, the top producer in the region, and I thought, well, this is just kind of fun. I think I might want to do this for the rest of my career, and just kind of got into it from that. That is great. So since then, your journey through the mortgage banking industry, I mentioned in, in your bio when I, I was going over that, you, you've held some prestigious jobs. But talk a little bit about the journey, and talk about some of the, the things that caused you to take the choices on your journey through the mortgage industry? In other words, when you came to a certain fork in the roads, why did you go with one company versus another, and what brought you to where you're at today? Well, like you, I have in my earlier in my career back a few days ago, I had some experiences <laughs> with some leaders that were challenging to say the least. In fact, I probably wouldn't classify them as leaders. I classify them more as managers because to me there's a huge difference, and we can get into that later mm -hmm. if you want. 
But yeah. there is a big difference in that. And I have, like you and like I'm sure a lot of people listening, have had some difficulty with some folks in the past to, just that, that not able to, to perform as what you thought you'd like to do. And I just thought, you know, I just don't want to do that. And it just taught me early on what it takes, what I didn't like, I tried to make sure I never did. Uh, you know, to make sure that the characteristics I identified people that really attracted me to them, you want to focus on those and the things that you didn't, just try to avoid those. You know, and I, and I started out when I was actually very young. I, I formed my own company to start with just because I thought, I've always had an entrepreneurial type of spirit, and I just thought, you know, I want to try this out, and I think I can do it. The one thing I did do, though, because I was, I said, I was in my 20s, early 20s, and I realized that I was just beginning to learn that mortgage had a T in it, that I did (laughs) not know this business real well. So what I went out and did is hired people that were a whole lot smarter than I was and knew the business better than I did and gave them a part of the company so that they had a vested interest in helping me grow it. And that worked very well. That's that's good. Well, So you brought some leadership to your company. You went and hired people smarter than you. But I want to focus in on leadership, and I want to start with how you define leadership, Gary. Well, I think it's, it's the ability to be able to share your vision and get people to understand your goals and your visions and motivate them to buy into that vision and those goals and to do the things that you're trying to get them to do and have them believe it was their idea to do it. Okay. And that's where you really get motivation out of people. If you can motivate and draw the very best out of people by articulating your vision and making sure that they're a part of it, you know, the, the payoff on that is just phenomenal. Yeah, I agree with you. So what? give us some examples, some great leaders that have inspired you. Well, you know, at a high level, I think Winston Churchill, I, I, I'm a huge history buff, uh, particularly the period from 1933 to 1945. That just absolutely intrigues me yeah. as to how the world could get in that position and allow things to occur that did occur. But Winston Churchill was one. He was direct. He was to the point, but he was also very inspiring. Some of the greatest speeches that you'll ever hear in history were done by by Winston Churchill at the darkest points of the war for London and in World War Two. You know, Ronald Reagan was another one. If you think about Ronald Reagan, and probably more people are familiar with him, is that he was very self deprecating, very personable, but was able to communicate his vision for America and everybody bought into it because they believed him and thought he was sincere. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, two great examples. You know, we we look at how our country is starving for leadership, and you know, the, I think Donald Trump's trying to bring that leadership. He certainly was swept in with a great deal of number of votes. Surprise, shocked the world, and so I'm really interested in those that have had an impact on your career, people within the industry that have helped really develop you. Did you have anyone that really mentored you early on? Yeah, but but before we get into that, there, there's one other person that I, I I just can't not mention, and that has been my partner for the last 48 years. I, uh, I've been married longer than probably a lot of folks have been alive on this call. But I have to tell you, Peggy is one of those people that I could never have accomplished what I have, David, without her. And, and I hope she's listening to this. But, you know, I've always had her support. Her belief in me has just been something that has been invaluable to me. 
And the business yeah, clear so back in the very beginning, I had somebody that I worked with that taught me what leadership was all about, taught me how to listen, you know, and just imparted wisdom to me that you could never learn in a book. You could only learn it by seeing somebody do it. And he just did the things that I try to do now, as I said, talking about involving people and motivating them and sharing your vision. He was very, very good at that. And I stayed in contact with him for years. He since passed away, but he was just, he was just one of the people that drove me more to this business and how to do how to manage people and how to manage a business than any other single person did. It's great to honor those people, but I'm really impressed that you honor your wife. I, as, a, as a consultant, and I go on to a new project, I always invite the spouses of the CEO, again, we consult mostly the C-level executives, and I invite the spouse to join us in hopes of drawing them in. Because I have this theory, Gary, that the greatest advisors that we have in our life are our spouses. They see us wherever things are at, and they go, man, our relationship isn't at a good place. I don't want to involve that person now, or whether it is or not. But at some point, they know you so well. And so we, we draw our spouses in. And uh, Peggy has been a fabulous partner of yours throughout for 48 years. That's amazing. I love that story. And Well, and, I, and also, I just, you, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, no, go ahead. I want to talk about you that. You have to understand, you know, for example, when I when relocate people, and if anybody's listening, you're ever in the position that you relocate someone. You have to understand the dynamics of relocating someone. If it's children, you generally don't have to worry about them because nobody else that's alive can adapt quicker and more easily than children. You don't have to worry about the employee because if they didn't want to be there, they wouldn't be accepting the position. The one you have to be careful of and aware of is the spouse, whether it is a male or a female. If the spouse isn't happy, it's going to be a struggle for that employee. Where Peggy That's has so helped good. me so much is that most of the folks that I've relocated have, have been men who have had a wife, and we always, when they get here, Peggy and I together go and welcome them when they get here, take them out to try to take them out to dinner, and later on, Peggy will call them and just ask them, how's it going? Is there anything you need? And that just helps build that relationship and helps them to adapt to the new place that they are. And that can be tough. I've moved several times, and it can be difficult to do that without, you know, some stress. Well, I think that's a good point, bringing leadership not only to the employee that you just hired, but to the whole family, because you're not re- you're not retrans or moving a just employee, you're moving their whole entire family. So focusing on on the spouse, that's huge. I think it's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Let's talk that's about the, the one most characteristic thing you can do. It is so true. It is the most important single aspect is the family unit, and we don't have enough attention being paid to that in the in a corporate America today. So, but I want to talk about the one characteristic or trait that you believe every leader must possess. What is that one characteristic? Or if you have a couple, that's fine too. Well, I'd have to say it's probably just a calm confidence. You have to understand that everything that you do or say as a leader is being watched by someone. It could be somebody down the hall. It could be somebody outside the business. It could be a client. But as a leader, everything that you do or say is being watched. You have to understand also that crisis will come and they will go. And how you react to those very often will determine your long-term success, whether you react positively or negatively or whether the crisis is good or bad. And there are there is such a thing as a good crisis. And you have to understand, too, that nothing is ever as bad as you think it is, nor is it as good as you think it is. For example, you know, in the last 
I try always to, to look at when things are going bad and it's a tough market, business is hard to get, everybody starts looking about, oh, what can we do? What have we done? What can we do to improve it? They forget to do that same analysis when things are going really good. And in my opinion, the time more important to do it is when it's going really good. Because yeah. really good times and really good volumes can mask and hide a lot of weaknesses that you don't see until it's too late. That in is so good. That, I mean, yeah. In addition to that, you know, when times are good like that, you generally are making enough money that you can then afford to make changes. But you first of all have to understand as I said, just in my opinion, I'd much rather analyze what are we doing to make things so good when they're going really well, because then the conversation when it turns south is not near as hard to do. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really astute point that you're bringing out about success being the biggest enemy to, to ongoing success, because I think we can get sloppy. We look at things that brought us to the point where we're at. We fail to continue to do. So let's talk about the challenges that are facing leaders today. Is it because we have so much success going on in the marketplace? Or, you know, you have a unique perspective being one of the largest warehouse lenders in the nation and now having one of the more successful correspondent lending operations. What is your perspective on the biggest challenges facing mortgage leaders today? We live in a very, very divisive environment and atmosphere today, unfortunately. And there's a lack of ability or desire to simply talk through an issue or talk with somebody else. And you see it in every aspect of business and society today. And, and I just find that very frustrating that, you know, and that's a huge obstacle to success. You're very successful or moderately successful. You have to be able to talk to others and listen and ask questions and believe that you're getting an honest answer. It's just hard to put in words how important it is that you have the ability to someone that you can trust and you know they'll be honest with you. And, 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 and that's about that's that about culture. Yes, culture, culture too. And, and and really, how do you create that culture? You have an amazing culture there at Texas Capital Bank uh, within the mortgage division. I'm I'm sure it's throughout the whole bank, but I'm very familiar with what the culture that's there inside of the mortgage division. How have you been able to foster that? You have to to first of all, you have to listen and listen a lot. You know, what people will do. You can tell them what to do, when to do it, how to do it all of that, and they will do it just like any robot will or a mechanic, mechanical rote process. Yeah. But that's not what you want. People, once they understand why am I doing this. When I first got here at the bank, there was not any information shared with anybody. We changed that right away. Today we have town hall meetings and we share everything that's gone on within the division and every aspect of the division. Whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, it gets shared. I haven't been able to do it because we've gotten large enough now. It's very difficult. But, you know, you have a lunch, and I would recommend this to anybody on the on that's listening. Take six or seven or eight of your employees once a month and have a lunch with them. Have a box lunch brought in or a sandwich or whatever you want good. to do brought in. And we go into a room, and no management is allowed in there other than me. And the rules are pretty simple. We have lunch, and I tell them, you can ask me any question you want, and I'll answer it. If do people open up in that? Do you find, yeah, do yes, you find people do. really Absolutely. opening up, or is there a fear? How do you break down? I think that's a great suggestion, Gary. 
But how do you break down, oh, my gosh, this is, this is the big boss. This is the guy that controls everything. I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't want to run the risk of opening up. How have you break, broken that down? Well, you have to, to make your, humanize yourself. You know, and you do that by, I talk about my family and my career and my wife and things I've done with my grandkids so that you start to humanize yourself. And then you just ask them open-ended questions about, tell me a little bit about your child, your children or your family. And you begin to break that down. And when you ask that question, you've got to listen. You know, I keep saying that That's over and over. We, yeah. We've all been around people that like the, the sound of their own voice. And they, they talk and they talk and they talk and they forget that God gave them two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> you know? That's the right ratio. That's that's the right ratio. So it, would you say the biggest mistake witnessed by the leaders that are struggling is the lack of listening? Or what else would it be? Well, it's a, the failure to listen. It's, it's not able to get their ego out of the way, too. Yeah. One of the things I've always done is, is, to me, the two things that just will kill a leader is, is ego and not listening. Because again, it goes back to if people understand why and they believe that they're genuinely and honestly listened to, they, they will run through a brick wall for you. You yeah, also have true. to understand that, that as soon as something goes right, anytime, anytime something goes right, you always, always, always give the credit to somebody else. When it goes wrong or there's a problem, always, always, always take responsibility for it. You own it. Yeah. Again, Good. you will create a loyalty, David, that you just can't fathom until you see it. Because people understand that and will learn very quickly that if I really excel at this, Gary's not going to take credit for it. He's going to stand yeah. in front of everybody and say, hey, look what Susie or Billy or Bobby did. That's By true. the same token, if it goes off track, I'm not going to see Gary pointing his finger and say, well, look what he did. That's a good point. Vitally important. Vitally yeah, important. Yeah, I've, I've watched that happen there. As, uh, you guys have had a very successful stint there at times, but I've also watched a couple of times when you're in the warehouse-led business, there's always something, as Andy says, the prophet doctor says, something goes boom in the night, and you go, what was that? And, you, and you've yeah. always owned it. You've always stepped in and taken that. And I want to get out to Alice and Andy in just a minute, but I've got two more questions before we do that I want to get to, and that is, what advice would you give to someone going into a leadership position for the first time? What are the things that you think that should be the number one focus and area of concentration? Acknowledge first and foremost, and this, you know, is so vitally important. You didn't get there by yourself. You yeah. got there because other people helped you. If you were going to do it only by yourself, I can absolutely guarantee you, you would fail at it. You didn't get there by For yourself. Sure. Other people helped you, and so acknowledge that and share that. Make sure people know the why. I know I said that two or three times, but you just can't emphasize enough how important it is that people understand why they're doing something. That is so important. I love Simon Sinek's video about why great leaders inspire. And in his book that corresponds to that TED Talk is, you know, it starts with why. I think it's, so. that's a great point. What are some resources that you would recommend you point to to gain insights into becoming a leader? I mean, if you hire someone and they're aspiring to be a leader within your organization, what do you point them to, Gary? Tell them always find a mentor, somebody that find you have seen demonstrate what you think are great leadership characteristics and, and just watch them and ask them to explain to you why they they do things, and most of them, virtually all of them I know will do that. They'll explain it to you. There's a lot of books that you can get on 
leadership, and, and those are valuable, and I would recommend reading those. But just to see it in action is a far more important thing. Just find a mentor. That's what I did, and most people that I know. You know, if you, if you think about, for example, if you think about very successful leaders and very successful people, there's two characteristics, David, you see in every one of them without exception. And that first one for successful people is that they know how to recognize an opportunity. And the second thing characteristic you see is they have the wherewithal and the willingness to seize that opportunity. Yeah. Same thing in leadership. If you recognize a leader, utilize that leader and, and seize their knowledge and grasp it, and they will share it with you. I have no doubt in my mind they will share that with you. I have pulled on that on this program. I've brought Alice and Andy and Joe and many others and because I that principle is one that I believe in and you get people operating in their strengths. So let's go out to the two people, two of the people that I've pulled on for that very thing, great amount of knowledge and subject matter experts that are just beyond anything. Alice, I want to have you jump in on this discussion. Do you have any questions specifically for Gary? Yes, I do. And, and Gary, you were just talking a little bit about the idea of mentoring and how you actually build leaders within your company, right? So it's one thing when you have people really close to the top and they have the opportunity to shadow you or go to lunch with you or the other leaders at your company. How do you recommend or, or the type of training beyond just reading a book for that mid-level management that you want to help grow them into understanding the leadership qualities that they should you know, they might have to actually train on, right? It's not something that's maybe second nature to them. You know, that's really difficult to do, Alice, and it's, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that because what I try to do if I find somebody like that is pair them up with somebody that, that has those skills or they may not be at the level that you'd like them to be at that time, but if you pair them with, they actually seem to help each other and kind of, I hate to use the word feed off each other, but they grow off each other. That seems to help. I'm just not a real big believer in formal training. Never have been a big believer in that because theory and reality often are two different things entirely. That's a good point. I'll tell you this. Alice is one of the things I love about Alice's training is she brings both the practical side and the, the both of them together. And it's it's like a peanut butter and chocolate come together. I think she does an amazing job of doing just that. But someone else who has been able to break down complex things has been Andy Shell. Enjoyed a friendship and a partnership with him for many years. Andy, any questions for Gary as we get ready to wrap up the program? Yes, great stuff, Gary. Thank you so much for all the the pearls and 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 note of wisdom. You know, I was I was thinking as you were talking about the the Mark Twain quote, at least he's he's quoted as saying, "It ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble; it's what you know for sure that just ain't so." And, and I, I with, that's very you know, good. That is true. Yeah, and so I, I think about leaders that I know, and I think about there's some that are doing a great job and are always kind of challenging. Do they know what they need to know? And then there's another group of leaders, and I say leaders because they're in leadership who have no clue that what they're doing is wrong and won't listen to anybody try to help them understand that there's another way they really aren't listening even though they say they are. So what advice can you give to people to, one, be confident that you really confident that you really do know and how to know that you really need to listen better because you aren't as good as you think you are? I will tell them immediately, you are never going to be as good as you think you are. Uh, you know, that that is, not, that is not going to happen. i got to tell you, I've been doing this for 47 years, and I still sit and listen to people and hear them talk. 
because there's always something you can learn. I would just tell everybody, don't ever, ever become comfortable in your level of knowledge because as soon as you are comfortable and think, I know it all, you're in trouble, especially in this business because of the velocity that that things move in this business or any business. It doesn't matter whether it's your life or raising your kids. The minute you think you know everything, you're in trouble. Exactly. So I just take the position, Andy, you know what, that I, I am never going to get where I know it all because there are so many more people that know so much more than I do. I just, I've got to learn from them. Exactly right. Well, like you guys, I'm I'm in my 60s, and the one thing I know for sure is that I don't know. There's always yeah. something more. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. And, in fact, anybody that's worth their salt will acknowledge that there's always something else to learn. So, you know, one of the things that sure. I, I'm, I'm going to, to open another chapter of my life here shortly because I'm going to be retiring from the bank, and one of the things that's I want to do That's where I was going to go. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm, one of the things I want to do is I'm going to learn some foreign languages. I'm still going to be involved in the business because actually I'm working with, with David on a advisory panel that we're going to be setting up once I retire for Texas Capital Bank as well as others in the industry. And we've got some, some very high-level, very intelligent people that are in, outside of me that are involved in that. I'm looking forward to that, and I just feel there's things that I can learn there as well. But, you know, there's a lot of yeah. things that I can learn. And, but the best part is you're retiring, but you're refiring. So you may be taking a little time off. I don't see it as retiring. I see it as a refiring. You know, I, I just love that idea. And I'm so excited about your next chapter, Gary. I really believe that, you know, you have, we get to the point about the time where most people want to retire and go play golf. It's we about figure it out. And I think it's when we can have our greatest contribution. And I'm looking forward to the days ahead of working with you and this advisory team. But you've done, I want to celebrate before there, I want to celebrate the years of success you've had already in our industry. And we're very fortunate to have had you as a guest. Again, as our guest, we've had Gary Orr, who has been the president of mortgage finance within Texas Capital Bank. He's been there since 2008, and he will be retiring. It's a it's a day which is, I'm sure, Texas Capital Bank is going, oh, dang. We knew it was happening, but we didn't want to see it happen. But uh, you're going to be missed. But uh, we continue to work with them through this advisory council. And so looking forward to – we'll be talking more about that in the weeks and days and months ahead. But I want to say thank you for taking time, Gary joining us today. Well, and thanks for having me. I sincerely appreciate it, and have a great week, folks. Yeah, give Peggy our best. I'm just so glad how you honor your, your wife and in the wisdom and the success that you have. I think that's just really special. I look forward to having you back, listeners. Next week, we've got Nancy Alley, Vice President of Strategic Planning for Simplifile. She will be joining us, and we are going to have her talking about some of the trends that we're seeing going on in the industry. We're seeing some things going on, and it's really closing the post-closing loop. And we're exploring ways of how to automate an area most lenders still run on a manual basis. Well, we always have the human aspect, but a lot of paperwork. So Nancy's going to be talking about that. So come back next week and tell others about it. Really appreciate you being here. Andy, Alice, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And uh, look forward to having both of you back next week. Andy and Alice, appreciate you guys both. All right, folks, that's it. You bet. Have a great one, everybody. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.